Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're locked into Inception Radio Network. Superior, Wisconsin. From aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis the Outland, Outland, Outland. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to my Friday evening. You're listening to me, Heidi House, The Outlander. So welcome to the show. Get comfortable. Put your feet up. Get the popcorn and grab me some tissue while you're at it because I have a cold. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Whenever I get around my friends that have little ones, like five-year-olds, I catch whatever it is. Those boogers are boogering up. I swear. Swear it, it happens to me all the time, <clears throat> like right this moment. So don't mind me if I hack and cough in your face. Um, I mean, in your ears, and um, just bear with me. So I'm about to join in the chat room here in a minute. So to say hello to my friends. Um, for those of you who do not know, we do like to chat it up in the chat room on InceptionRadioNetwork.com. I think I'm going to sneeze. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would tell you guys what this show is about. It's about bringing outlandish topics to the forefront. And I always say it could be something very strange, incriminating even, perhaps. Oh, no, hold on. That's when I'm on the Kevin Cook show. Um, no. So he's going to give me a head noogie for that one. But um, – I don't know, conspiracy theories. I always say if it's weird, we're here, but that's not always true, right? Because I don't feel weird. Okay. Mm, no, I don't feel weird. Um, <laughs> but if you want to learn more about who the heck I am, I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, I wrote about it, got over it, and now I'm trying to help you all do the same darn thing and understand this crazy world of ours. Please go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. Explore the inner me and then tell me about it because I don't know myself. They say you should know thyself, and I just don't. I just don't. Gosh, when is this day quilt supposed to kick in? Uh, so anyways, <laughs> oh my goodness. Ooh, I think I took it too close to the beginning of the show. It's, it's, it's just me sniffling over here. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to tell you guys something because this is really, really, really cool. And I have every single one of you to thank. I know, you guys don't even feel like you did anything for me, right? I know, I know you don't. That's, that's okay, I forgive you. But you, you really did do me a big, huge honking favor. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, am I in the chat room yet? 
Almost. Okay. I'm, oh, there I am. Oh, there goes my friends. Hey, everybody. Hi, Carol, Bill. Oh, there goes MJ. He's the one that's mixing and scratching on the turntables here right now. Sky, Bug Tussle. Oh, there they all are. Everybody's looking so good and healthy. You guys want a want a cold? <laughs> I'll try not to sneeze on you. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was gonna tell you guys something. It was really important. My new book, The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters, and the new version of my book, The Secret War, a true story about a real alien war and shadow people, both of those books, both of them, okay? Again, this is is your responsibility. Both of them have hit Amazon's hot new releases for parapsychology, the whole section of them. They're both up there right next to that, um, uh, uh, what's that, Long Island Medium? Mm-hmm, yep. Hers is the only other one that is, like, right there above mine. <clears throat> My other two are, are next next to it. So it's, like, both of them. You guys, like, I mean, what the heck? Currently, both of those books are only as e-books, and very soon the Hat Man book will be made into print, and then the Shadow People book, the Secret War book, will be, yes, yes, Carol, I know, isn't that cool? Um, <laughs> I'm reading the chat room. Um, but uh, both of them, I mean, I was just, like, stunned. I was like, wow, you guys are really, you guys are really cool. That's That's really awesome of you. So... The Hatman book is seven dollars and seventy-seven cents. Seven seven seven. Did that on purpose. Had to bless it somehow because for crying out loud, it's an evil man written of in that book. Um, and then the Secret War. What do I have that for? Four ninety-nine. I think so. Yeah, guys, go go ahead and grab it. When it goes in print, I mean, it is so much harder to keep the prices down because paper and killing trees cost money. I hope they recycle it because that's really bad. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I'm getting off on tangents because my mind is swimming in DayQuil. So, uh, yeah, so guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Last time I, I did the, the show, um, I read you guys the introduction and part of chapter one. Today, I didn't think my voice would hold out very good between sneezing and coughing and hacking and yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm going to go and, and do what I call the outlandish corner. The outlandish corner. Look, I didn't even have to do special effects at time because my voice was just that messed up. That jacked up that it could just do that on its own. Um, I'm going to go to the outlandish corner and what that is, is where you guys could take your sweet time and write me an email but anything and everything out of the ordinary and I will do my best to lend I don't know some common sense some advice uh, maybe refer you over to Dr. Phil I don't know wouldn't that be cool if Dr. Phil knew this stuff you know what call me the Dr. Phil of the paranormal I used to actually be called that which is kind of cool <laughs> I think I got introduced once on Coast to Coast as the Dr. Phil of the Paranormal. I'm a therapist, but I'm not a doctor. Sorry. Um, but it's okay. I mean, <clears throat> it's nice to have that re- reference. I mean, he's kind of a big Texan. <laughs> so it's all good. I was going to say big shot, but he's a big Texan. So, yeah. Yeah. So here we go, people. I am going to see what... I can pull up here. Oh, here we go. A shout out to IRN. Dear Heidi, I've just recently began listening to IRN and found your show. Yay for us. That's cool. 
<clears throat> when I first heard you mention the hat man, it blew me away. Get out of Dodge. I can remember when I was around 13 years old, around 1984. I had gone with my mother to visit my Aunt Shirley, who was her sister. We were sitting around the kitchen table chatting when she told us something scary that had happened to her a few nights before. She said she was laying in bed asleep when something woke her. She saw a shadowy black figure standing at the foot of her bed. I mean, I think this guy is a foot fetish freak. That's what I, that's me talking. I think he is. I mean, what is he always at the foot of the bed for? I mean, what's he looking at? I mean, toenail polish? I don't get it. Um, the figure looked like a tall man wearing a suit, trench coat, and hat. She was unable to see any features as the figure was totally black. But she said he looked like the Bardal man. What is the Bardal man? It's not a Barbie doll. Bardal. Bardal. Somebody will know what this is. Um, this man reached toward her with one long arm as if to touch her forehead. But she covered her head in absolute terror. When she had covered it, when she had covered her head, okay, he was gone. She actually ended up developing a form of very fast-growing lung cancer and passed away about three years later in 1987 when I was 16. I had not thought about this at all until I heard your show and mentioning of the hat man. <clears throat> I had also no idea who the Bardell, Bardell, Bardell man was, so I did an internet search. Apparently, Bardell was a brand of car oil and the Bartle man was on the label, and he looks a lot like the hat man. Ooh, I just want to Google this now. This makes me wonder, is he a harbinger of death? He did, and did he touch, oh, did he, what, and did he touch her after all? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, is that why she became sick and died? My aunt said when she saw him, she thought, that's Mr. Death. What are your thoughts? Thanks for reading, Lori B. Lori, thank you for writing. Um, so anyways, well, Bartle Man. Anybody, anybody find that in the chat room? Let me see. Mm, nope, nobody's, nope. Nobody said anything in there yet. Um, okay, so, oh, I see, your, I see your question in there, Bill. I'm going to answer that in a second. But uh, Bartle Man, that's, that's wild. Um, I will tell you this. I don't think anything is a coincidence, and I think our, our gut speaks to us a certain way for a reason. Your aunt felt like death had just visited her and touched her in the forehead. Now, what was the purpose of that? Hat Man will just show up and stare at people, and he terrorizes people well enough by just standing there. But he purposely reached out and touched her. So that makes me think that he had to in order to do something. Why did he do this? Because he's a butthole. No, no, you said Bartle. Bartle, not butthole. Bartle, man. Um, <laughs> I'm going to burn for that one. No, I'm not. We're just talking about this creepy guy. I don't care if I insult him. Um, so the Bartle man, he is, uh, he, he's very purposeful in what he does. So I don't think that this was a mistake that she got that feeling that he was Mr. Death. And lo and behold, she got something absolutely ravaging her body shortly thereafter and passed away rather quickly. That's sad. 
that's really sad. Do I think he could do such things? Oh, yeah. Do I think that uh, some people are putting the pieces together out there like you just did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there are. I think there are a lot of them um, that are putting these pieces together. But who do they go to? I was just like, it's weird because uh, the hat man phenomenon is still something that people are discovering. And I am still, still getting a lot of emails that say, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one. I still get a lot of those. And I actually put several of those emails in my book, The Hat Man. So uh, people that are just like, I mean, these are recent. I mean, these are very recent. And I just got one. Well, heck, I just got yours. Um, so <laughs> so it's, it's quite apparent that, you know, uh, there's a lot to be told and learned yet of the hat man as people come forward and share what it is that they've experienced or realized like you just did, Lori. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really sad. And I'm so sorry to hear that what happened to your aunt. But, but is there any way to stop this man? That's what's important. And that's my goal. I don't know. You know, it's just so strange. I mean, I, ooh, I've experienced a lot of odd things in my life and I just have always thought I was, I don't know, cursed. What's that cursed when you see, I don't know. I've seen boogeyman. I've seen fluffy things. I've seen angels. I saw Jesus. I saw demonic stuff, uh, flying things, uh, just so much. And I just like, I drive down the street, like I'm here in Chicago. There are a lot of creatures that live in this city. Let me tell you, but Living in the city, <laughs> driving down the street today, I'm like, gosh, people really don't have a clue about what's going on around them. And they live in this oblivious uh, ignorance that I sometimes envy, but I don't anymore, really. I used to. But I'm just like, wow. They have no idea, and they're not all connecting the dots. And I wonder how many of them have had an encounter of some sort with this guy and just don't realize it was not a figment of their imagination. It was not just a particular dream of their own. So, yeah, I can't help but to wonder. Wah, 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 wonder. Um, now, Bill asked a question. He asked if the hat man ever speaks to me. Lord Jesus, no, Bill. <laughs> just, no. <laughs> if he speaks to me, Oh, no, 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 that's just, no, I'm not even going to invite the thought, no, um, I don't really care to talk to him, we're not friends, I hope he doesn't ever call, nope, 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 have I had some run-ins with this idiot, oh yeah, oh yeah, you guys will find that entertaining, uh, I did put that in the book as well, so I did, uh, actually not too long ago. And he's a butthole. And I'm saying that clear. Clearly. Butthole. He's a butthole. Um, so anyways, let's go on to the next one. Um, but yeah, you're uh, first off, Lori, you're asking, is that why she became sick and died? I, I think it's a big possibility. Again, I think it's a big possibility. Okay, next one. Voice, hold on. I mean, hold on, I need a coffee swig. Hold on. Hold on, some good stuff. There we go. Okay. Hello, Heidi Hollis. Oh, how formal. That's my full name right there. Uh, my name is Evan, 
and I'm 24. No, well, still formal. Okay, years ago, I couldn't have been more than 14. I had a rather terrifying encounter that I'll relate below. I was wondering about your input. I'm not sure how much supernatural and ET stuff I believe, but I have a hard time dismissing supernatural stuff entirely after my experience. I was going to say, I was going to say, that's weird. Anything you could tell me is greatly appreciated. Everything started fine. It was summer and during the day. A few friends and I had been in the forest most of the day catching newts. Oh, that's newts. We returned around five when the sun was still up. Later after dark, I was with a friend letting the newts go at the edge of the forest when I saw something on the other side of the clearing, which was on the other side of the fence we were near. I distinctly remember that all noise stopped. All the bugs and birds stopped making noise, and even the newt I was holding had stopped moving. No, that's weird. I was terrified and unable to move or even speak. All I could do was stare. The whole area just felt bad and wrong. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? Because I, I get repeat emails sometimes, and I just, I just don't know. They all sound similar to me, but sometimes, sometimes they really feel real similar. Raise your hand. Stop me if I'm okay. Nobody's raising their hand. Okay. What I saw wasn't really solid, but it was kind of dog-shaped. Ooh. It was blacker than everything around it, but its outline kind of moved like the way the edges of fire move. Oh, that's really freaky. I don't think my friend saw it, but he freaked out because of my reaction. <laughs> he wound up getting my mom, who dragged me away. <clears throat> Once we were away, I couldn't see the clearing. I could move and talk. I was terrified and crying. I told my mom about it. She believes in the supernatural to some extent, though she's not sure what I saw and doesn't know if it was bad or some kind of warning. She asked some Native American friends about it, and they didn't know. What? They didn't know. Now, hold on. We're all screwed if the Natives don't know. That's all I'm going to say. Um, some told us stories of something they call skinwalkers. Oh, I know about those. But they don't sound right to be this. I also don't get the feeling whatever it was would only be in forests. Oh, that's terrible. Everything about it felt as wrong and horrible as could be and had to be at least 50 to 60 meters away from the tree line it was in. And that's that's just where you left it. Okay, um, so Evan... Wow, that's disturbing. That sounds like a hellhound of some sort. Well, when, I don't know. Anybody think? I think I'm thinking hellhound. But wow, uh, I haven't I haven't necessarily heard of something quite like that. I have heard of people seeing uh, something that looks very dog-like. Yes, glowing red eyes. Usually, you didn't say red eyes, did you? My eyes are watering. I can't see. What? Uh, no, he said it was kind of dog-shaped, but blacker. And its edges moved like fire. Hellhound, hellhound. Maybe there's different breeds of hellhounds. Could be, could be. What's terrifying and a shocking to me is your reaction because uh, that makes me think of like how shadow people and the Hat Man often make people. It's not like it makes people feel paralyzed. They are paralyzed, and you were paralyzed. You had to be drug away, unable to speak or move. 
And, you know, I've had emails like that where people have just frozen and just they're they're unable to move. And it's not like that's the way they freeze up. That's the way they lock up when something from the pits of hell comes at them. It, it's, it's like it's invoked upon them. So, wow, that dog, maybe he was going to chew on you. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's really weird. That's a, that's an odd one. I have not heard of a hellhound of that magnitude or that sort. So, um, I wonder what kind of impression that it gave you that you feel that this thing can not be only restricted to the forest. Huh. And skinwalkers, I mean, we're talking werewolves, right? We're talking werewolves. I mean, it, that's just, yeah, that doesn't sound like a werewolf type of thing to me either. That sounds just more like a, a hellhound. Now, uh, you know, it's it's... I would say that, um, you know, just about coming into your manhood there being 14 years old and shaking and crying had to be uh, something that you didn't expect coming from yourself, too. And for it to stick with you so many years later, it, this is something that a lot of people don't realize. But when you see something like that, something that is totally out of the norm for yourself to experience, see, smell, Feel the fear of being paralyzed, browning one's shorts, whatever it is, uh, leaving a puddle. Uh, let's carry on with some more toilet humor. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's life altering. I mean, this was 10 years ago for you. And people are like, to you know, I don't know what it is. But uh, even for myself, I mean, I've seen some crazy things, crazy things. And as time goes on, they seem less and less real sometimes, you know, or that I'm getting dementia. I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't always impact me the way that it once did. And, uh, it, and this is strange, too. Like, uh, there's things that I've experienced and I've told people about it, friends and all that stuff. And, and I totally forget about it. Just leave it from my memory. I just wipe it clean or something and. People will be like, Heidi, remember that one time you saw an experience this? And I'm like, that was me. <laughs> I'm just sick. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because there's too much in my head and I have to file new junk in there. And there's no more filing space, like a Yahoo email account or something. Or is that an AOL account? It was an AOL account. My AOL accounts used to blow up with so many emails, I couldn't even get to them before they expired on the shadow people in Hatman Phenomenon. Isn't that crazy? I would be like, no, 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 I want to read that. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. And it would just keep happening over and over again. I think that's how my brain is. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's wired to put it in the trash. And you can't get it out of the trash either. It's gone. It's totally gone. So how do you like that analogy? My brain is like an AOL email account, <laughs> or like the old ones anyways. I don't know. I haven't had one for years now. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, – that – I don't know. I don't know what it is. But here it is, you know, for you 10 years later, and I, I bet it's just as fresh as it, as it just happened. And people don't understand how that is, but it is. It is. And it's like – I don't know. Like I've experienced stuff with my my siblings growing up, and and I they, I you know they moved on and they're just like do 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 you got a new car, 
whatever, just, you know, moving on. And I'm like, dude, do you remember that when we were kids and that thing came and it scratched your face? <laughs> They're like, that was me. Yeah, it was you. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Maybe they have AOL email accounts for brains, too. It just deletes. And I just look like the only one that's cuckoo. But some of the things really do stick in my head. They really do. But it's a good thing I write books because uh, that's the way I, I, I file it away. Because <laughs> uh, Lord only knows what I'd do with it in my head otherwise. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it is, uh, it is, oh, hold on. Oh, my goodness. That's, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> I think somebody's asking me something. Is that in my head? No. Okay, never mind. Okay, but yeah. So I, I really, you know, Evan, this, this is really, really a freaky thing. Um, I have not had many accounts of this. I have had more people tell me hearing the growl of what sounded to them. Like, it, it's strange. Like, they heard a growl, and they got the image more in their head of a hellhound, more than actually seeing it. Isn't that weird? I think that's weird. I don't know if that's more devastating or not to see it or to hear it because usually this growl that they hear is very loud. It's guttural and it's within like it within their breathing space. You know what I'm saying? Where you feel like I am about to be devoured. That's they that's the feel that they they have like an animal that wants to let loose. And you know what I don't get to this is weird. You know, these guttural growls that people report from these so-called hellhoundish beasts, whatever they are. Um, I never hear them have gone like to the extent like a dog being let loose. You know, they don't just they don't do that. They do that guttural. I'm going to I'm going to get you. Like it's just. You know, no simmering, simmering, but none have gone all out. Maybe maybe those people didn't live to tell that story. Maybe that's what the problem is. And I'm glad because that's, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine hearing an invisible thing growling at me very close and getting that image in my head of a, of a hellhound. That would, that would, that's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. But anyways, yeah. Um, I want to thank you for sharing that story, Evan. That is, uh, that's one for the books. Maybe a book. Maybe I'll do a book on hellhounds. I don't know. Maybe somebody's done that already. Could be. I don't know. I have to look. Um, <laughs> and Lori B., thank you for taking the time to write me. Uh, I want to encourage you two to do me a favor. And I want you to go to paranormalpledge.com. What that is is my group of people, just like yourselves, who have known or have personally experienced something out of the ordinary. And what this group of people that join this group do is they raise their right hand and they promise to tell at least one other person about their odd story or odd understanding so we can expand upon the knowledge out there, people, because way too many people are isolated and still discovering that they even had anything weird happen to them. So we got to reach those people. And, uh, yeah, those could be regular people. Don't, don't have to all be weird like, like ourselves, right? 
<laughs> beats regular people. I'm a regular people. I really am. Look, I catch a cold from my friend's five-year-old. Um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah. Yes. So I would encourage you and others to go to ParanormalPledge.com and uh, join the group. It's a Facebook group, actually. And uh, I actually have another group, too, but I don't have a .com for it. Um, it's <laughs> Shadow People and Hatman Experiencers Group. And, uh, yeah, you guys could just wander over there and just type that in Facebook. And, you know, maybe I'll put a link on that page, on that website, too. Have people join on over there, too, because uh, that one's really been interesting and growing exponentially, let me tell you. Uh, gosh, uh, it's just it's just never ending, never ending. And, I, and I'll tell you what my goal is with these groups. Talking on the biggest, baddest, most evil things out there on the planet, truly dark matter. People don't know if dark matter exists. I know it does. It's not an outer space. It's here. It's here. It's in a black suit and hat and stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, my goal is to wipe these things off the face of the earth. Just be done with it. That's just it. Just just be gone. Just be gone. Because it can be. When people are met with these darn good-for-nothing things. Uh, all they have to say in Jesus' name, get the heck out. And, ooh, they're gone. How's that happen? Because it can be done. So... I encourage you guys, please do go wander over hither and uh, also visit my main website, HeidiHollis.com. And it's H-E-I-D-I, not no hide-I or hide-we. Or... I've heard some really interesting spellings of my name, but yes, <laughs> go over there and discover the mystery of me and these evil good-for-nothings that we're going to wipe off the face of the earth. And always remember... That it's not doom and gloom. I do write on uh, Jesus as well. So, hey, where there is darkness, sunshine always comes. So, you guys, we have a really, really fascinating guest this evening. It's it's going to be something very interesting and different for once, which is which I, I'm, I'm welcoming. So, you guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Haas, The Outlander on Inception Radio Network. I will be right back. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. You didn't forget what's coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter, I underscore R underscore N. And get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore R underscore N. And never miss a great show again. Hi, Bob Tarmac for MJ'sHealthyWay.com. Are you into vitamins, nutrition, meal replacements, health shakes, uh, keeping your body in good shape, your internal engine going? <laughs> Boy, do I have a perfect place for you. 
mjshealthyway.com. They offer the best service and products, and they'll tell you anything you need to know about any product they have to offer. I get all my vitamins, meal replacements, shakes from mjshealthyway.com. That's spelled mjshealthyway.com. There's so much more at the website. Go check it out, mjshealthyway.com. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty landline or cell phone and dial or call and listen lines at 832-280-0830 or 786-837-2262 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, those numbers are 832-280-0830 or 786-837-2262. For the Inception Radio Network, I'm MJ. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Hello, folks. Heidi Hollis is rocking the airwaves every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on IRN. But if you want to learn more about Heidi, check out her amazing website at www.heidihollis.com. For IRN, this is MJ. Get advice on aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish. Explore the paranormal with Heidi Hollis. The Outlander. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here, and so are you, so stop staring at me. Okay, so... As promised, I have a very fascinating guest for the evening. Catherine Chiljan is an independent scholar who has studied the Shakespeare authorship question for over 28 years. She has worked as the acting editor of the Shakespeare Oxford Newsletter. In 2003, she debated English professors on the topic at the Smithsonian Institution. She is the author of Shakespeare Suppressed, The Uncensored Truth About Shakespeare and His Works. Everybody, round of applause for Catherine. They're going crazy, Catherine. (laughs) How the heck are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. I am so glad. I'm thrilled to have you on the show because this is something, I mean, this is a conspiracy theory with a twist because who even would, would look and a conspiracy theory towards the topic of Shakespeare. I mean, what on earth drew your attention to this topic? Well, you know, it's a very long-standing controversy. It's been around for over 150 years. And I first was uh, exposed to it by seeing a debate on television. And uh, I saw um, an orthodox, you know, Shakespeare professor from a top university um, 
trying to defend himself that the man born in Stratford-on-Avon was the real author and versus a man who believed that the Earl of Oxford was the real author and that William Shakespeare was a pen name. And I knew nothing about uh, this at all, but all I saw was one man making a great deal of sense and many, many points, and that was the man for the Earl of Oxford. And then the the respected Shakespeare professor was only casting aspersions at him and, and calling him names and saying that everything he's saying is impossible without defending his own case. So I knew that something was up. Name calling. I mean, it's come to that. That's just awful. I was kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, that's been their best defense for the past uh, 100 years is name calling. Even Mark Twain brought that up. He was saying that they call us the worst names possible, people who doubt the Stratford Band was the great author. And it's, it hasn't stopped. And it, it's been pretty effective. But I think with the Internet and um, a, a lot more... Um, spreading the word, uh, the general public is starting to become aware of this issue. Well, darn, I missed the note on this one because I don't recall my teachers ever saying anything, by the way, this may not be Shakespeare's. What? You know, it's just, this is this is news to me. I mean, everybody raise your hand out there who has never heard of this before. Uh, okay, I don't see anybody. But anyways, that's <laughs> in my mind only, Catherine. I'm not looking at anybody. But um, <laughs> but it's it, it, to me, this is, this is new. I have not heard of this controversy. And it's just... I mean, I mean, I don't know, I guess on an academic level of high school where most of us are first introduced to Shakespeare, they don't, they don't talk about this type of thing. Why do you think they avoid that question then? Well, because of the reputation it has from um, English professors. You know, they always say that the whole question is crazy. You shouldn't even think about it. And I think that the basis for that... Um, in their minds, is because there was a man who was born in Stratford-upon-Avon with the name William Shakespeare. And also, he was, a little bit later in his life, he was involved in the theater. So, um, that, tell, that tells them, yes, he was the man. But uh, they don't seem to consider the idea that maybe the name was also a pen name for somebody else. Uh, it's not a far-fetched thing for there to have been two William Shakespeare's involved in the theater. One who was involved in the financial side, which I believe the Stratford man was involved in, and one that was a pen name of somebody else. Um, you know, the name uh, Shakespeare, um, spear-shaking, that was a common expression that was used by many writers of the period. Um, and also, yeah. Oh, are you serious? Shaking one's spear. Yes. What does that it mean? Was, it was like a warlike action, like you're sort of threatening somebody with a weapon. And Shakespeare, ah. Shakespeare used similar variations of that, but um, other writers of the period did too. It's like when the Zulu nation rose up against uh, the powers that be, the colonists, right? Yeah. <laughs> they shook their spears. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And also spear shaking is it's another term for jousting which we all know, you know, on uh, horseback. Right. So, and that was a very popular sport that, back in Shakespeare's period. There so, um, also, I, there's, uh, there were several people named William Shakespeare during this period. So, um, the whole idea that Shakespeare may have been a pen name and that another Shakespeare could have, you know, 
been involved in this works, uh, it's not a far-fetched theory. Well, that is just wild. This is this is new to me. I'm shaking right now, but <laughs> so I just, I mean, really, this is this is groundbreaking. This is this is Da Vinci Code. This is yeah. This something is something like else. That. Well, you know, in a way, you can say um, uh, the Stratford man was the victim of a conspiracy in a way, because I believe this all started after he died and also after the death of the real author, too. I think it was a hoax, a deliberate hoax. But if you want to go back to, you know, why the Stratford man was not the great author, the main reason is there's no lifetime evidence that supports it. There's... um, no evidence that he went to school, that he was educated. There are nothing has survived in his handwriting. No letters, no diaries, no manuscripts, no play manuscripts. So when you have um, absence of evidence, of lifetime evidence, and you only have posthumous evidence, you know, after he died, I mean, which one are you going to believe? And Artists I, are never appreciated when they're alive. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point <laughs> never and then they start talking crap about you after you're gone i mean that's just not yeah. right then you're a popular woo you know she's yeah. really so but you said that there are several people called william shakespeare um so there's some kind of history of others named this but we're not following those people we're not confusing them for this guy right i mean um I, I found in the um, state papers in England, there's a reference to a William Shakespeare who was in the army um, in 1605, and, and that's the same period as our William Shakespeare from Stratford. And also, in the, he was from the same county as the man from Stratford, which was Warwickshire County. Huh. So, I mean, there you go. There's two William Shakespeare's right off the bat. So um, the idea that there could have been one who, that was a pen name, it's not unusual. And also another interesting thing is whenever the name, or in, in half of the cases when the name Shakespeare was in print, there was a hyphen between shake and spear, huh. which was an indication of a made-up name. So, but when you, when you throw in all these absences of evidence, like no evidence of schooling, no manuscripts, no one claiming they knew a Shakespeare when he was alive, no notice of his death, you know, things like that. When you get all these zeros, that makes you think, okay, it makes sense that the name was a pen name, that the real person's real name was not being divulged. Well, I'm not. I'm not trying to brag, but there's another Heidi Hollis over in England, and she's an actress. But uh, <laughs> I'm not taking any claim that you know, like she's better than me. But okay, I just had to say that. Um, <laughs> but but no, that's uh, that's that's really interesting. That is fascinating. But I mean, so in order to have been the type of writer that this Shakespeare was. You're saying that there should be some some form of education that should have taken place. That uh, you know, some I mean, some people are just naturally gifted. Maybe he just you know sprouted up. He was the son of a farmer, and he just crawled out of the pits and did all this magic. Well, that's that's what the professors will tell you. But ah. um, number one, there's no proof that he went to school. Um, they they assume that he went to the grammar school, which is possible. He may have, but even the professors will tell you. 
if he did, then he, he, he left when he was probably around uh, 13 or so, 12 or 13. But um, the great author Shakespeare, whoever he was, his education was like the, the highest possible. He knew Latin. He knew ancient Greek. He knew French and Italian, these languages. He knew um, details uh, in European geography. He knew the customs of the aristocracy and their language. He, he, there's over uh, 600 medical references in Shakespeare. There's numerous, numerous uh, obscure law references, too. Um, astronomy. I mean, he knew he, he knew many many subjects of higher learning, and uh, back then to receive such an education, you had to be enrolled in a university. And there's no William Shakespeare enrolled in any university or law school or anywhere. Um, wow. So, oh, well, that makes sense. I mean, unless he yeah. had a bunch of really intelligent friends that he totally cheated off from and took their information and put it out. Now, I've had my information to put in other people's books, too, and movies, um, and gave it was given no credit. Uh, so mm. <laughs> these things happen. Yes, it, they sure do. So, yes. I mean, and I know back in the day, I mean, wasn't it like a big thing where people would try to make it seem like, ooh, I found some lost pages from the Bible. Look at this here, you know, and, and try to make it seem like, but they, they were hoaxing a lot of this stuff, trying to make money off from what it is that they found or whatever. I mean, it was, it was, there, was, there, was, there was always scandal going on in this world. So this is not so far-fetched, essentially. No, no. And um, it, all you have to just do is look, I call them the holes in the historical record. And, you know, when you have all these absences, especially... They say change is a good thing, especially if that change puts more money in your pocket. Switch to Block now, and for a limited time only, we will prepare and file your taxes for the same price you paid your other guy last year. H&R Block Tax Pros with IBM Watson finding you every last credit and deduction you deserve for the same price you paid someone else last year? Now that sounds like a change worth making. Stop in today or schedule an appointment at hrblock.com. Subject to $125 minimum charge. Participating offices only. See tax office for details. For education, because the writer, whoever he was, he had a superlative education. Um, that's when you have to say, yeah, maybe it was a pen name. And if you, uh, you know, uh, discount the Stratford man, who, by the way, his parents were illiterate, and also his children were illiterate. So when you take these type of facts into account, it, it just makes perfect sense that the name was a pen name. And also other things too, like contemporaries of Shakespeare wrote some kind of indirect comments about him that totally do not describe the Stratford man. I mean, these people who were alive while Shakespeare was alive and while the Stratford man was alive, they implied that he was a man of high rank, like a nobleman. That also they wrote that he was writing anonymously or with a pen name. Um, that he was also that he was writing decades earlier than the professor believes that he was um, writing, and also that he was dead seven years at least before the Stratford man had died. So you know we have to start looking at lifetime evidence and not evidence that occurred after the Stratford man had died. In fact, seven years after the Stratford man had died. And that's when we can really 
see the two types of evidence and which one is stronger. My goodness. So why why would you suspect and uh, would this these authors these these mystery guys uh, have left the mystery remain? I mean, why wouldn't you know someone say something? Yes. Why wouldn't the true author get the true credit? Yeah, that's, a, that's the that's uh, I think the main reason why it has not been generally accepted, and I think that uh, it's really based on the premise that Shakespeare was a nobleman. Um, back during this these times, um, nobility if if they had an interest in poetry or drama, that was considered something um, very frivolous, a frivolous occupation. If you were a nobleman, you should be serving you know the queen by in some important office or in the military or something like that, um, not, you know, frivoling your time at the theater. So, um, first of all, the, 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 the nobleman would not talk about this topic. He would be a little embarrassed. Um, and the people in the know who knew him would, would also respect those wishes, too. Um, also, noblemen uh, would not publish... That's another thing. Um, if you published a creative work, it would indicate that you needed money. And that was very déclassé. And you have to keep in mind that re your reputation was everything back then. It was huge. So to protect one's name, if you, you were a nobleman, you, you had to stay quiet about this activity. However, after death, it would have been okay. The social stigma would have lifted. And it would have been all right to have like Hamlet, uh, with uh, the real author's name printed on it. That would have been fine. But in this case, it did not happen. That courtesy was not given the great author. And that's where we get into the idea of a cover-up and that politics may have been involved. And it gets juicier and juicier. Holy smokes. I'm feeling like, I don't know, like Nikola Tesla and how Thomas Edison took the credit for everything. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, and then I'm dying alone in a little apartment somewhere like Nicola. I mean, that's just, wow. <laughs> that's yes. just not right. Yes. It's not right, and because, you know, he wasn't just any writer. He was one of probably the greatest writer who ever lived, really. Um, you know, he, the, you have to keep in mind, these plays are 400 years old. Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth. Yeah. Cyrano I mean, de Bergerac, are, that's my favorite <laughs> well, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't what that, that wasn't Shakespeare. <laughs> that wasn't Shakespeare. Oh, are you? Who was that one? I think that was 18th century. You're a little bit off. Am I? Oh darn! See, I'm getting all confused in my head. Well, it, it reads like a Shakespearean play. Yes, it does. <laughs> it really does. It does. <laughs> I like Cyrano. You know, by the way, that uh, Shakespeare uh, invented over 2,000 words. Invented? For the English language? Yes. yes. So did Snoop Dogg. That's a, that's a coincidence. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, my day quill is kicking in now. I got Cyrano de Bergerac wrong and Snoop Dogg did not invent 2,000 words. But <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> what, uh, I mean, what words? I mean, I want to hear some of them. What, what did he make up for us? Um, one of them is assassinate. Ooh, we use that uh, one a lot. That's a cool one. Okay. Gloomy. Mm, oh, Eeyore. Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> there we go. Um, 
in, uh, unemployed. <laughs> uh, we use that one a ton these days. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. You, gosh, he was really a man of the times. That's funny. Oh, gosh. Yes. There's a lot of them. I, I, I haven't memorized them all, but, um, and so many, wow. you know, well-known expressions like bag and baggage or, yeah, uh, it's, it's Greek to me. <laughs> these, these, um, things that we say all the time, foregone conclusion. Huh. Um, and, but we don't know that we're speaking Shakespeare. Wow. You know, I knew, but I'm not even speaking Shakespeare when I say Cyrano, Cyrano, the Bergerac. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's see that's this is this is the sufferings of a typical teenage uh, high schooler who was forced to have uh, British and American author books be crammed down my throat. Yes, you know what? Uh, what would you say? I mean, okay, you're a scholar, twenty eight years. I mean, what would you say to I don't know modern day youth? I mean, how do we get them interested in wanting to learn and read and know Cyrano de Bergerac is not Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> I only have a Bachelor of Science. Okay, I don't know this stuff. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, as I'd mentioned, we don't know anything. Uh, we don't have any biographical details, really, of importance about the great author, the great Shakespeare. Um, you know, if, if you want to look at the details of the Stratford man, uh, we know that he was christened and that he got married and that he owed taxes, uh, that he bought property. <laughs> We all but, owe taxes. Where, where, are, where are all the juicy details? You know, like if you right. read the Shakespeare sonnets, which were written in the first person, he he's just uh, absolutely, totally uh, admires a young man. Many of the sonnets are written for this young man. Who was this young man? You know, he was also obsessed by a dark lady, a lady with dark hair. Who was she? Well, it's all like, it's all question marks. Um, I think to get interested in, in Shakespeare is to have his real biography. And we don't have a real biography. We, the, the, the ones that the professors or experts put out there is mostly speculation. Or it's a history of the times, but not the man himself. And, you know, I think that if they knew the real author's real story and how fascinating it was, uh, what he went through, um, I think they would be totally inspired to read the place because they're going to start to see reflections of his life in these works. Thank goodness. Well, that's true. I, I remember now, now, stop me before this is not Shakespeare, but I remember being forced to remember something about a uh, uh, poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard of no more or something like that. I don't know, something crazy yes, like that. Yes, a tale told by an idiot. Is that Shakespeare? Yes, it is. All right, ding, ding, ding. I got 10 yeah. points. All right. <laughs> ten, more, 10 more points if you can tell me which play it came from. Macbeth? No. <gasps> yes. Is, is it? All right. That one that got crammed down my throat, I, I choked on it and it's still there. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Well, that's a wonderful speech. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I remember like we had to know that freaking paragraph and recite it. And, yes. and it was, it was something in depth and it did stick with me because I'm like, you know, if that man is right. <laughs> it's a brief yes. tap upon the stage, darn it all. But, but I mean, uh, it really was a voice of despair. And you kind of want to know what was behind it. 
Right. Um, very fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know what the curriculum is any longer with these with these kids because I think if you know how to handle a joystick, you pass every class. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know what what is you know what's the standard anymore out there because I I highly doubt that many of them know what the heck half this we were talking about but then you look at things like the da vinci code and people were all thrilled to you know learn a twist of history that yes. you know it, it really just blew up out there so i don't know i mean it's it, it's weird you just don't know what will catch people's attention yes timing has a lot to do with it um well we had a movie called anonymous uh, about three years ago uh, that oh. actually uh, showed the earl of oxford who i believe wrote the works um, as Shakespeare, just depicted him as Shakespeare, and that the Stratford man was sort of a, an opportunist who sort of took advantage. And um, I think that there was something to that. Uh, I might, I have a slightly different theory, but um, ooh, yeah. But Is I mean, it, uh, unfortunately, the the movie didn't take as big a hold as we all hoped it would. But um, it it started, it it did raise eyebrows. Okay. Well, how does your theory differ from what was spelled out? Yeah, well, in the movie, uh, they they showed the Stratford man, you know, the person who was born with this name, William Shakespeare, um, as a front for the Earl of Oxford, that he was using him and writing, writing behind him. Uh, I don't think that was the case. I think that uh, it was arranged, it was a hoax that it was arranged after the Earl of Oxford had died and after the Stratford man had died. Um, and... Uh, Hmm. Okay. I think that politics was behind it. It was a cover-up, really. They, they, they knew that there was a man who was involved in the theater named William Shakespeare. And by putting the authorship on this man, a man who had no political connections, no connections to nobility, nothing, that it would decontextualize the plays and also the, the sonnets, Shakespeare's sonnets that I just mentioned. Because I think there was some political dynamite contained in the sonnets. So um, if the political dynamite was coming from a man who was high up, right. a nobleman, it would have a lot more effect than if the the dynamite was coming from somebody who had no connection to the theater, uh, the, the court at all. So oh, very does interesting. that make sense? Uh, it, it it does. And now yeah. it, you mentioned this film. Did you work with somebody in this film? I, I did not. I, I met the screenwriter, but uh, ah, well, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, holy oh, smokes. Yeah, it was. Um, it 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 took a long time to get it made, but um, yeah, but it was one of those did, necessary. Yeah, yeah. So you you agree with ninety nine point nine percent of it? Um. Well, maybe seventy-five percent of it. Oh, that's no, a big the chunk. The main, well, you know, they they took a lot of license you know, with the the period, and oh, um, yeah. but they were correct to um, depict the Essex Rebellion, which happened well during Queen Elizabeth's lifetime. Um, this Earl of Essex tried to take the throne from the Queen, and they depict that. And um, the fascinating thing about this this is that the day before that the Earl of Essex tried to take the throne, they put on a Shakespeare play in London. Huh. And 
probably to warm up the citizens there for rebellion, to have a rebellion, because the play they, you, they, they depicted was Richard II, which shows an English monarch being dethroned and successfully dethroned. Ooh. And the fascinating thing about this is that it failed. This Essex Rebellion failed, but the, the actors were interrogated and questioned, but not the author of the plays. And I think that that is also very telling, that whoever the author was, he was somebody who had very high connections. Or they couldn't find him because they didn't have a legitimate name or whatever. Huh. <sighs> It's like when you look him up in the yellow pages, he probably just like totally doesn't exist. That's that's wild. But <laughs> you know, that's, that's that's pretty. Oh, that that is interesting though. That is interesting. That's a good point. So well, anyways, we're gonna get to our our next break here. Um, you guys are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander on Inception Radio Network, and we'll be right. back. Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. Do you have a smartphone? If so, Inception Radio Network is the best app for you. Available on iTunes, Android, Samsung, and most other app stores. Just search Inception Radio Network. With the app, you can listen live, check out podcasts of recent and past shows, view our videos, see what shows are coming up, who the guests are, and, via the chat room, send live questions to those guests. You know it makes sense. Check your app store now. Inception Radio Network. I'll see you there. Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Just a reminder that Inception Radio Network is on Twitter. Follow us at I underscore R underscore N and keep up to date about who's on tonight, what interviews they'll be doing, who's guest spotting, what topics they'll be covering. Tweet to us, tweet about us, retweet topics to your friends, and most importantly, never miss a great show again. That's I underscore R underscore N. Don't have a computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty landline or cell phone and dial or call and listen lines at 832-280-0830 or 786-837-2262 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, those numbers are 832-280-0830 or 786-837-2262. For the Inception Radio Network, I'm MJ. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Hello, folks. Heidi Hollis is rocking the airwaves every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on IRN. But if you want to learn more about Heidi, check out her amazing website at www.heidihollis.com. For IRN, this is MJ. 
get advice on aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish. Explore the paranormal with Heidi Hollis. The Outlander. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here, but not tonight because we're talking about some real stuff, people, because this is fascinating. We've got... Catherine, kill, um, chill Jan. <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, jamming, chilling, chill Jan. It's all good. Um, we're talking about Shakespeare, and this is kind of like Da Vinci Code mystery like stuff to me. I mean, I, a lot of people, I think they like to delve into history and to know the truth and the twists and all of the scandal that was going on because we live in a scandalous society, and it's kind of, it's kind of comforting to know that it's kind of always existed. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, it's it's like, it, it's not just us, really? Okay, cool. We only shoot people and stuff, but they carried spears and we and shook them at people. And that's where the name Shakespeare comes from, is what we were talking about earlier, um, which I think is fascinating, I mean, in itself. Um, I have some interesting questions from the chat room. Um, I have somebody that's asked if I could ask you the source of their favorite Shakespearean quote that says sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care do you know the source yes. of that one um, I believe it's Macbeth yes ding 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 I have no idea but I'm going to give you the points <laughs> how many that? <laughs> yeah, well I don't know That's, that was an easy one for you because you're a scholar my goodness <laughs> Um, so, and then and you know, another actually yeah. uh, that one. Uh, your listener may be interested. That was uh, a few writers copied that. That that I think that was pretty famous. Really? Yeah. Oh, they ripped him off. That is just wrong. <laughs> well, hold on. We're talking about him being ripped off, anyways. Yes. The real guy. So, this is just an ongoing pattern. But uh, and then I have a really you know hello you know we talk about odd stuff on this the show oftentimes and of course somebody's mind is working out there to lean it that way just slightly, um, and they ask if a Shakespeare had any known personal interest in the occult or witchcraft, and if his image was ever threatened by such practice. Do 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 do. Well, um, if we believe that the great author was a Stratford man there would be no evidence, zero, because we don't know anything about his life um, of, of relevance like we're talking about. But if we believe that the Earl of Oxford uh, was the great author, um, you, yes, he was interested in the occult. Um, he was a patron of John Dee, who was the Queen's astrologer. And um, he was also involved with, um, I believe, uh, trying to call up spirits and things like that. He was into all sorts of mystical um, intrigue. And uh, the Earl of Oxford was one of his patrons. Um, and also, the Earl of Oxford, he was accused of tr himself trying to invoke spirits. And um, just like, in a way, like Hamlet. Hamlet saw the ghost of his father um, and also in Macbeth, Macbeth right. saw ghosts. So I think ghosts and spirits were very much on the mind of the Earl of Oxford, and same as Shakespeare. 
So that's just a little bit of a tidbit. Right, right. Well, that's fascinating. So people have always been doing these graveyard rubbings, trying to conjure up ghosts. I just I just don't do those things. I mean, I don't know. So people have always kind of dabbled in that dark stuff and found it fascinating. So we're not so strange after all. No. Huh, no. Very interesting. Even the greatest geniuses were interested. <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to brag about me, but I understand... <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, you know, and I got another question. We have somebody that's posting. This is interesting. Um, they said that they remember hearing some connection between William Shakespeare and the Bible. I, I had not heard of that. Have you? Uh, well, Shakespeare uh, knew the Bible very well. And uh, there's been many studies uh, how he, he, he knew especially the Geneva Bible, the, the Geneva version of the Bible. And um, the Earl of Oxford, we have it on record that he bought a copy of the Geneva Bible. And actually, it survives to this day. And it's uh, in Washington, D.C., this Bible. It's a beautiful Bible. And um, it has annotations on it. It's like so, the owner of it wrote in ink during that period and underlined um, many passages that figured in Shakespeare. I can't give you the exact details, but um, this was something that was pursued by uh, someone named Roger Strittmatter, who recently put out a book. Um, he, he did a, his doctorate on that, but he also recently wrote a book about the Tempest. So, um, yeah, that's... He, he definitely was interested in the Bible. So, I mean, here, here you have another parallel all right. You know, Shakespeare's interest in, in the Bible and also the role of Oxford's interest. Well, isn't that something? You, you know, Catherine, I'm, I'm going to stake another claim on, a, on another. Now, you tell me if this is Shakespeare or not. <laughs> Comedy of errors. I remember just getting a real kick out of that and it being the most relatable thing that I had to read in high school. Was that Shakespeare? Yes, it was. All right, 20 points for me. (laughs) I just remember it like, really? This is old? I mean, it was was relatable. It was mistaken identity type stuff, and I thought it was funny. I don't know. Yes, two sets of twins, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Shakespeare, he has a funny bone, and it's not all about committing suicide and killing people and overthrowing people uh so and speaking of funny bone um uh-huh. the earl of oxford you know my man the real shakespeare yeah um, he was uh, listed by a literary critic that he was best in comedy so the earl of oxford wow. was known as a playwright during his lifetime and a good one and also an excellent poet um but nothing has survived with his name on it so that's an interesting thing. Where where are these comedies? Huh. That he was so good at. And how and many, well, of course, we believe it survives with the name William Shakespeare. Of course. Now, how many written works are there of this so-called Shakespeare? Um, about 40 plays. And uh, two long poems. One called Venus and Adonis. And the other, uh, The Rape of Lucrece. And then there are 154 sonnets. Ooh. He was a very, very pro- prodigious genius, creative genius. Yeah. Kind of, very... Sort of like Mozart. <laughs> and he lived to be how old, do you know? Um, well, the Earl of Oxford lived to age 54. 
Um, and the Stratford man uh, lived a, a similar period, I think 50, 56 or something like that. That's a pretty long life for back then, wasn't it? It was. It was. My goodness. Wow. Well, that's, uh, ooh, that's a lot of writing he crammed in a short amount of time. Because <laughs> I write books, too, and I'm like, yes. I can imagine well, you know, cramming that. That's a very good point. I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, the, the, the professors will tell you that, you know, he was writing you know, two or three plays a year because they, they only have a very short time span. They try and squeeze it, um, like 23 years for like 40 or more plays. Um, but compare that with Christopher Marlowe, who was Shakespeare's contemporary. He wrote seven plays that were sort of, you know, mediocre to, to very good um, in seven-year period. But, you know, Shakespeare wrote incomparable plays, um, two or three a year. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's a tall order. That is. That's, uh, and these aren't short. I mean, he's written some short. I think the Comedy of Errors is considered short, right? I believe so, yes. But the rest of them were ginormous or something? Yes, like King Lear and Hamlet. I mean, if they were played all the way through as they're written today, it would be about five hours. Oh, 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 boy. Uh, so what do you think it's going to take for people to really accept the true identity of the, the real guy behind these writings? Well, I think that if the English professors would admit that there is reason to doubt that the Stratford man was the works, just admit that there's almost no evidence, um, I think that the general public you know, would be encouraged to get into it, but they will not even admit that there's reasonable doubt. Um, and they, an organization put up um, a, a website called at, at doubtaboutwill.org, and you can see, um, you can read this declaration of why we think it's reasonable to doubt the Stratford Man was the great author, and all the people who have signed it, there's several thousand, and many of them have very high academic degrees. And that's the interesting thing about this controversy. It's people from all disciplines, like history, linguistics, medicine, the law, they all find reason to doubt if they look at the evidence. But English professors, for the most part, don't see it. And um, unfortunately, they're the gatekeepers of Shakespeare. And we, you know, we, we only want to believe the professors or the experts. So if they could just uh, open their minds a little bit to the idea that it's possible he did not write the works, then I think the whole thing will blow open. Well, these, these uh, professors just want to keep their job and get their tenure and <laughs> they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. But if their case for the Stratford man was so concrete, then why don't they accept a, a 40,000 pound donation uh, that was offered by the same people behind this website to prove their case in a mock trial? And um, they're, not, they're not doing it. You know, <laughs> That's a right, lot of money, 40,000. Right 000. after we, we, we get the government to admit that aliens exist, we'll get right to that Shakespeare controversy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But we go first. We go first. <laughs> I think it's more likely you, you, you'll 
you would get more acceptance. And Are you serious? All right. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty sad. You know, when you think about it, that's kind of sad. On Wow. Huh. So Shakespeare will will remain the mystery he is, but UFOs will be revealed to the world first. Wow. <laughs> that's the way it's going. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think that there's been progress. And, yeah. I think we just... I think if people just demand to say, hey, I want a real biography of the great Shakespeare, because people love Shakespeare. Shakespeare changes so many people's lives, so many actors' lives. It inspires them. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're, it's, these people deserve to get the full information yeah. And, yeah. and have a real biography. And, you know, when you have the true biography, then we can start to know when the plays were written, which is something the professors after 200 years, they don't have a clue. They don't know what was the first play Shakespeare wrote. They don't know what the last play that Shakespeare what? wrote. They don't know in between. You know, They don't even know how many pl- total plays he wrote. All the time they're saying that he either co-wrote with an, another play with someone or he wrote an obscure play. Um, you know, it if you have the right man, you're going to start to get the right answers. All and that's right. what's so frustrating. They, they keep modeling their research or, or their criticism on the wrong model. Uh, and that's, and that's interesting. What, yes. Well, you know, I guess, you know, when we look at artists back in the day, we want to know what inspired them. Where did they live? Did they look over here? Did they look over there? Did they have a shoe that resembled that painting? You know, it's like we look at every little orifice that they own, and we try to we try to get a good idea of what, uh, what it is that they experienced and lived in. And you're right. How can you get that if we got the wrong guy? Uh, now, there are autographs out there, correct? But are are they controversial as well to know who signed what? Yes. Um, well, that's another point that uh, you know, there's nothing in the Stratford man's handwriting. There's no not, no letter, uh, no Shakespeare play, nothing. Uh, only six signatures, and those are on legal documents. And three of the six are on his will. And if you look at them, they're very badly formed, and, and, and they're all spelled differently. And that's all we've got. And yet, meanwhile, people who were not famous during this period, there's tons of letters survived by those people, and diaries, too. In fact, um, one of the Stratford man's contemporaries who lived in the same county, we have his diary. His name was Mr. Pudsey. And he actually, in his diary, he wrote a few Shakespeare lines. I mean, he, that he admired. But where's Shakespeare's diary? Where's Shakespeare's relics? We don't have anything of his. He was just like a no man. And, um, you know, the, the Stratford man, his neighbors didn't seem to think he was a writer. His children didn't, never claimed he was a writer. His, um, his son-in-law, who was a physician, he never made any notice that his father-in-law was a famous writer so um you can just go on and on about how it's just zero wow very interesting now what is this about a warning on somebody's grave what is that about yes that's a great thing there is a 
juicy thing. Um, <laughs> if you go to the church in Stratford-upon-Avon, there is a monument to Shakespeare. Ooh. And there is also a tomb nearby. The monument is on the wall. And about five, six feet away is actually a tomb. He's buried in the, inside the, the ground of the church. And the tombstone says, um, Cursed be he who moves my, my bones. In other words, don't dig up, don't take off this tombstone. Um, leave me where I am. And yet, and yet, if you look at the inscription of the monument on the wall, it says that placed within this monument is Shakespeare. So where is he? Is he in the wall or is he in the tomb in the church? And wow. I think that that was a deliberate hoax. They did not want Shakespeare. They didn't want you to know where Shakespeare was buried so that you wouldn't remove his remains and put it in Westminster Abbey, which is where uh, all the great poets and kings and special people um, were, were buried. Wow. Um, and th- another interesting thing is that the tombstone does not have the name of William Shakespeare on it. It's just blank. It has a curse. Don't you hate when somebody calls you when you're interviewing? My goodness. Oh, no. I'm oh, so sorry. People don't get it. I thought I it was a UFO at first phone. coming for you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I was thinking when you're talking about this, he sounds like King Tut. I mean, like like he was put in a tomb, but he's not over here. And I will curse anybody that moves my bones. I mean, that sounds so Egyptian. I think Shakespeare must have been Egyptian. But Yes, and that's another interesting thing is that, yeah. it, that to have a curse on your gravestone for that period – was in, nobody had it. It's totally odd. And yet the professors don't, you know, they just wave it off. They don't think anything's odd about it. Who would curse? I'm going to put a curse on mine. And so then, you know, one day people will be able to say, Heidi was something else. Can you believe she did that? Because, <laughs> you know, in these cities, they move these headstones and then you leave your body where they be. Um, <laughs> I'm in Chicago. Yeah. This has happened a lot. A lot of places are really haunted and they're like, Hmm, that graveyard's right across the street, I bet. Yeah, I know people that live in some of these brand new condos, and they're so haunted. Um, <laughs> and so I think this is what happens. But uh, that is wild. That's, a, that's, that's crazy. So nobody questions yes. why he put a curse on there? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, why not put his name? <laughs> Shakespeare the poet. Yeah. Why would he want a curse? So, you know, that's to me, that starts to raise red flags, that there's something odd a hoax going on and then when you have the con you know the contradiction with the the inscription on the monument that tells you something also another thing that these that's right in plain sight is the um the figure in the monument there's an effigy of a man on this monument supposedly of shakespeare and he has an upturned mustache but that mustache was not uh popular or even worn during that time period that's like it mom was jeans. much uh, it was a much later time okay gotcha yeah it was a much later time period so um why, why aren't they noticing that very clearly the monument had been changed but yeah. uh the professor doesn't want to admit that at all they say oh no no and in fact we have documentary evidence that that monument was changed because 
um, not long after the monument was erected, someone made a drawing of it. And it's totally different than what's up there today. But you see, if they admit that it was changed, then they have to start admit that there is some funny business. And they don't want to admit to any of that, because once you open that, the whole thing's over. Huh. Gosh, you know, I, wanna, I want people to remember me. I'm going to try to create some rumors and controversy, so when I'm good, dead and gone, people will totally think about, where is that Heidi? <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And, huh. Very yeah, fascinating here, stuff. Here, Here's a good quote that I always like to put uh, tell people about is in 1640, which was um, a couple decades after the Straffer man had died, somebody wrote this to Shakespeare, and they said, Shakespeare, we must be silent in thy praise. So in other words, we, we, ha- we cannot openly praise you. Now, why would that be the case? You know, he's dead and gone for... A few right. decades. So to me, that raises a red flag. There is something secret about Shakespeare. Um, huh. Also, also um, professors will say, oh, well, this controversy, no one questioned it, you know, at the time. It's not true. People did question it. Um, there was another book in that same year, in 1640, where there's uh, the famous image of Shakespeare that, that came. It's a black and white image. Um, that was in uh, Shakespeare's first folio, supposedly of Shakespeare. And in this other book, they reproduced this picture, and underneath it they put a line. And the line says, this shadow is renowned Shakespeare's? With a question mark. So, you know, very soon after, um, you know, the man died, we're getting question marks. And it really, it never has stopped. It's just that we haven't, the first book written about it was in the 1850s, but there were, along, along the, 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 the centuries, there have been questions. Well, that sounds like it. Now, how can people get a hold of your book and uh, read up on what you're all about? You also got an award for your book here, too. You've got to tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, I, I wrote the book in 2011, and... Um, Concordia University in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, gave me a, an award for distinguished scholarship. Awesome! So that was great, considering yeah. you know I, although I went to UCLA and I have a bachelor's degree in history, um, you know I, huh. I'm not connected to a university, so that was for me a great honor. Oh, know? that that's really huge. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My goodness! And what's your website that where people get your book from? Yes, it's ShakespeareSuppressed.com. And uh, you could, I, I would say most people do buy it um, through Amazon. It's on Amazon. And, um, but I would encourage, it, this is a research book, and I would encourage your listeners uh, to ask your public library to, to acquire it because I, I do have uh, full distribution, um, and um, I, I give the ISBN number on my website. And it really belongs in, in libraries and then. People, researchers, young researchers can look at it and get a lot out of it. Well, I, I think that it's definitely, uh, it's, it's such a big part of our history and our, our, our 2,000 words that we use. Um, yes. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. I'm like, everything that we know is wrong in this world. It seems like 
every time I, I delve into a topic I think I have an understanding of, like Cyrano de Bergerac, I, I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Oh, this is what, you know, I'm part of America's best. What can I say? Um, this, is, this is it. This is as good as our education gets. <laughs> My goodness. But. You know, I, I'm really, really glad that you came on the show because it you brought to light something that is truly not ever really heard of. So, um, Catherine Chiljan, Shakespeare Suppressed, The Uncensored Truth About Shakespeare and His Works. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for helping me get the message out. Oh, are you kidding me? You know, I'm going to post this on my Facebook page and everywhere. So you just got to send me your information and I will so do that for you. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, so, wow, you, you, you take care now, and we shall be in touch. Okay, Heidi, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Holy smokes, you guys, we just, like, totally touched on some interesting stuff that uh, I know you guys, your head's about to explode, right? I see you. I see you. I see your head. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get to my phone. I, I forgot to hold it in my hand, so I'm really sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. I don't mind. I don't mind. But uh, you know what, you guys? This is uh, – people are saying don't end the show. 30 more minutes. I'm sorry. We've got to let the show be ending now. But, um, you guys, I, I really, really thank you once again uh, for making my two books, by the way, be top on Amazon. The top two. That's just so crazy. What do you guys do reading all this stuff? But, uh, <laughs> and you guys, please do go check out my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. And you can always catch any of these shows on InceptionRadioNetwork.com because everything is there for your enjoyment, for your pleasure, when you're bored, when you want to hear me in your head. Uh, you just, you know, tap, put your put your ear, earbuds in and just be like, oh, my God, Heidi, she's on again. No, I'm not. It's a recording. Haha. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, you guys, as always, you can catch me here every Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. You've been listening to me, Heidi Haas, The Outlander on Inception Radio Network. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here. Good night, everybody. <laughs>